Good morning. Welcome to all here in the sanctuary this morning, as well as those on Facebook and those listening on the radio this morning. I'd like to welcome everyone to our service this morning and to thank Mr. Terry Wisman for our prelude this morning on the organ. It was really, really nice. Let's uh, start our service with some announcements this morning. Today they have a pork chop dinner being served at the American Legion from 11 to 1. Tickets are still able to be purchased at the door. Dinners are $14 for doubles and single are 11. This week is the wonderful Wednesday meal and harvest party. Joining us in the ministry center for cheesy potato and vegetable soup, hot dogs, chips, salads, and cookies. There will also be space painting, apple races, and fun for the kids. Dinner is served at 6 p.m. Pickup and delivery is also available. I hear Pastor Joel might also get his face painted. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> there are many other things happening in the next month. Uh, be sure to check the announcements in the bulletin. You can also find the bulletin on our website at firstchurchnk.org. And now to get our minds and, and hearts into worship this morning, let's all rise and join in the call to worship, which comes from Psalm chapter 62. Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from Him. Truly He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. How long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down, this leaning wall, this tottering fence? Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in my lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. Yes, my soul finds rest in God. My hope comes from Him. Truly He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and honor depends on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to Him, for God is our refuge. Surely the lowborn are but a breath, the highborn are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together they are only a breath. Do not trust in extortion or put vain in hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. Power belongs to you, God, and with you, Lord, is unfailing love. And you reward everyone according to what they have done. I will remain standing and join in singing our first praise song, Son of Heaven. Salvation of 
Now we'd invite all the children to come forward to children's chat with Mrs. Lammers. Come over here so you can see. We're going to do an experiment today. Do you like experiments? Huh? Kind of. Come up close. They're messy. That's Therefore, we have a towel. You think they're messy, huh? All right. Come up close. Got plenty of room up here in the front. All right. Everybody where they need to be? Awesome. All right. We're going to talk. Remember last week when Miss Maria talked about temptation? And temptation causes us to do what? Make mistakes. Sin. Sin keeps us away from God, doesn't it? Well, I want to show you what happens. Can you all see? Okay. We're going to pretend. Now, be careful you don't stand up too tall. You can't see. This is going to be God, okay? He's clean, clear, and whatever. And this shiny penny is you or I. Aren't we clean and pretty? All right. So we, you can't get any closer to God than that penny laying in this pie dish, can you? We're really close to God. What separates us from God? No. Our sins are things that we do that aren't nice. It makes God unhappy. This water is all clean too, isn't it? So, can you think of things that we do that makes God unhappy? Hurting other people with our words. All right, there's one. That changes it, doesn't it? What else do we do that God doesn't isn't happy about? No, I don't want to take a drink of this. Not today. What else? Maybe tell a fib. Have you ever told a fib before? Yeah, we all have. Oh, no. Is it clean anymore? If we're rude to somebody else? Oh, that's kind of disgusting, isn't it? Well, when that, what that sin does, we get all swallowed up with that sin. So that sin comes all around us. See, now our penny's got that sin around it. Can you see it? Okay, let the guys in the back see. Come over here. You can come over here. Come up here. All right. Well, okay, now we've got that sin all around us. What are we going to do? Who's going to get us out of this problem? If we're nice, but what do we have to do? Who's going to get us out of that problem? Who's, who did God send to help Jesus. us? He sent us Jesus. Because right now, this is separating us from God, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And so he sent Jesus to do what? Save us from our sins, didn't he? He sent him. He taught people all about the love that God wants us to share. And he sent him to die on the cross, didn't he? So Jesus is the light of the world. And there's Jesus. And he's the light of the world, isn't he? Huh? Okay. But he, when he went to the tomb, what happened after that? Huh? He rose from the dead, didn't he? Okay. We're going to put this cup over the candle, and we're going to see what happens with that that sin. What's it doing? It's, it's going right up there. Jesus took that sin away, didn't he? And that's what he does for us. We have to ask him for forgiveness. Tell him that we're sorry. Yes, it went out because Jesus died for us and took that sin so that we could be close to God again and go to heaven. That's our salvation. Isn't that cool? All right, you think about that when they talk about it today. Dear Heavenly Father, thank that we can be close to you. Thank you for Jesus, his death and resurrection. It gives us forgiveness and sin. 
We trust you, God, and your ways for us. Help us to show your love to others so they might come to know you too. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank Amen. you. Amen. Thanks, Mrs. Lammers. Thanks, kids. You guys can head back to your seats now. It's always good when experiments go right, isn't it, Carolyn? <laughs> Great illustration for what God has done for us in Christ Jesus and, and certainly what we're going to be talking about later today. Um, as we turn our attention out of the offering this morning, uh, we are going to be, our designated offering this morning goes to support Wycliffe Bible Translators, specifically Wayne Lunsford, uh, someone we've been supporting for many years now. Uh, Wycliffe does a lot of great work working to translate the scriptures into, into other languages that have not had the Bible translated into them yet. A great ministry that, that impacts many people around the world, and so we're happy to support them through our offering here this morning so important to get God's word into the hands of people so they can read it for themselves in their own language so they too can understand what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. So that's what our offering is going to support today and we're certainly grateful for the choir here to again to be uh, offering up our offertory music this morning. The song is Sinner Saved by Grace. I invite the deacons to come forward to collect our offering.
Thank you, choir, for that great reminder that we are sinners saved by grace. Let's continue to praise God for that grace by singing our next praise song, Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone. And I invite you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your amazing grace. We thank you for showing us your love and kindness that we certainly couldn't earn on our own. Lord God, you are a kind and compassionate Father. You wait with open arms for your children to return to you. You celebrate, you celebrate even, when one, even when one lost sinner comes home to you. You are the Lord, the Lord, a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. And because of your grace, we are alive even though we were dead in our sins. We were lost, but now we are found. 
We were blind, but now we see. Thank you, Lord, for your amazing grace. We ask you now for your provision in all areas of life, and especially with the people and families represented on our prayers list this morning. We pray for healing for the sick, provision for those who are in need, and guidance for the lost. We pray not only for the material needs of our community, but we also pray for the spiritual needs as well. We pray especially this day for those who do not know you, Jesus. We pray that they would hear and respond to the good news of the gospel, that you would draw them to yourself, and that you would soften their hearts to know you. And Father, we ask that you would use us, your church, to reach those who are lost. Equip and empower us to share the good news of your gospel. May we live lives of, of hope and joy and goodness and faithfulness, that we may be the light of the world and the salt of the earth, that you may use us to reach a world desperately in need of your salvation. Lord, we also pray for those in authority over us as your word calls us to do. So this day we pray for our state leaders here in Ohio. We pray for our governor, the court system, as well as the legislature, Lord. We ask for your wisdom to guide them in their decisions, that they may lead well, and that they may have a hunger and thirst after your, your righteousness, and that they would be filled. We also pray for the ministry here that takes place at First Church. And this day, we especially thank you uh, for our music ministry. We thank you for Holly, for Sharon, for the choir, for the praise team, for our bell choir, Lord, all those that participate and lead us in worship together, Lord. Because, Lord, that's what this is about. We gather here in this place as your body here to worship you this day. And we thank you for those who you have gifted and equipped to lead us in that. We ask thee all of these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. The scripture reading this morning is from Romans 3 verses 19 through 26. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that not every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith, he did this to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Thank you so much. Let's pray together again. Father God, we are grateful that we have the opportunity to gather here in this place um, to worship you, to praise you, and now to open your word together. As we do so today, we ask for your blessing upon this time. We ask for your Holy Spirit to move in this place to give me words to speak and open up all of our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So Allie and I kind of had a long day yesterday. We got to go and attend a wedding of a friend of ours in Canton, Ohio. Um, and it's about a three, plus, three or so hour drive out there and back. So we spent a lot of time in the car yesterday. But it was nice to go and actually attend a wedding 
that I didn't have to officiate. Don't get to do that a whole lot anymore now that I'm a, a pastor for a few years, obviously. And it was nice to just go and be there. The, the ceremony was beautiful. It was in this beautiful church and actually in Massillon, Ohio. And great, great time seeing family and friends. And we're sitting at the reception afterwards and talking to my father-in-law. And he just t- kind of leans over and makes an observation. He said, it must be nice for you to, to come to one of these things and not have to do anything, not have to work. I said, you know, it's actually kind of nice to just sit back and enjoy it and enjoy the ceremony. I kid you not, not five seconds later, the father of the bride, who is the family friend that we are, we are there to, to support and, and encourage on our wedding day, comes over to me and says, so the grandma was supposed to say the prayer for the blessing, but she kind of backed out. Can you cover that for us? And I said, all right, I guess I can manage that. So I did. I, I, said, I said grace. Um, and it just reminded me, you know, as, as I was sitting there reflecting on that, or talking about not having to do anything on that day, then getting called back up there at the ceremony or at the reception. Sometimes we're we're called we're we're called to we're called to do things that we are supposed to do, right? Does that make sense? Like I'm I'm a pastor. Like it was it made sense for them to call on me to pray in that situation. Not that I was the only one that could pray, but it made sense because I was a pastor and I was there, and it was a great opportunity for me to step into that. Well, today's message, the, the part of the faith statement we're on, is, I kind of view that as a certain way. Today we're going to be talking about salvation. And any pastor, right, is going to be ready to take this opportunity and preach on salvation. Because this is, again, the core of what we are about, right? This is the core of who we are as a church and, and what ministry is all about. And, and what we're called to be about as God's people is to is to not only experience his salvation for ourselves, but also to share that with others, right? That is the very heart of what ministry is all about. That's why we're here on Sunday mornings, right? We're here to, to praise God and, and, and thank him because of his salvation towards us, right? And then he's equipping us to now go out and share that good news with others. So just as I was, you know, kind of put on the spot yesterday to pray at this wedding, you know, I, this is an opportunity for me to step in to this moment and to this opportunity to talk about salvation and, and share what really is at the core of who we are as Christians. Does that make sense? And as we do this today, there are going to be some, some points, right, that are very familiar to us. If you've been following Christ, if you've been walking with him for a good part of your life, right, these passages we're going to read today, the things that we're going to talk about should sound very familiar, right? Because we're getting at the core of what it means to trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord. But don't let them become so familiar that they lose their meaning or they lose their significance. As we talk about what it means to trust in Jesus, as we talk about what it means to have our sins forgiven, I want to encourage you, church, to not let that become old news, right? Let it still be good news for you today. If you've been walking with Christ for decades and you've heard salvation preached before, don't tune out, right? Let this sink in. Be reminded of the good news of Jesus and allow that good news to continue to be good news for you today. And so as we've done before, I want to I I start by reading, again, the section from our faith statement, uh, and then we will jump right into Romans 3, which Tracy read for us today. So from our faith statement about salvation, it says, We believe that the shed blood of Jesus Christ and his and death on the cross provide the sole basis for forgiveness of sins and salvation, which is the free gift of God's grace. Salvation is affected by the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit and cannot be secured by man's works or personal merit and is based solely on man's personal faith and belief in Jesus Christ. Repentance is turning toward God and away from sin, which is part of but not separate from believing faith. The gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Those who receive Jesus Christ by faith are born again, have their sins forgiven, become children of God, are a new creation in Christ, and are sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption, being kept by the power of God. Praise God, right? There's a lot to unpack there, and we're obviously not going to be able to touch every detail that's listed, but, but praise God for his salvation and what he's made known to us in his word. And that's what we're going to be looking at here with Romans chapter 3. So I invite you now to turn your attention to Romans 3. The scripture is in your bulletin. Uh, It's also, if you have your Bible with you, I encourage you to follow along in your own Bible as well. 
but we're going to be jumping right into Romans 3, beginning at verse 19. There's many passages that we could have highlighted today, right? There's a lot that we could have pointed to when it comes to talking about God's salvation for us in Christ, but this one, it does a great job of hitting a lot of the important points, and we're going to be picking up really right where we left off last week when we talked about sin, and when we talked about about man in the fall, right? We talked about how God created all of us in his image, male and female. He created all of us in his image. But through the fall, through Adam and Eve's disobedience, that image was broken, right? It was lost. Sin entered the world. And and now we are all sinners by nature and by our attitudes and actions. And that's right where Romans 3 picks up, right? Paul is reminding the church in Rome here and reminding all of us that that we are all sinners in need of a Savior. So he's picking up right where we left off last week, reflecting on our sinful nature. And he reminds us in the first verses, verses 19 and 20, of the purpose of the law, right? And he reminds us that no one can be saved by following the law, right? And this is a universal statement, right? Looking again at verse 19 in in Romans chapter 3, he says, Now we know that whatever the law says... It is said to those that are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, the law, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. Right? So notice there's a universal aspect here. Just as there was in the fall, right? Sin affected every aspect of creation. There's a universal aspect to our our guilt according to the law as well. So, so none of us can be saved by being obedient to the law. And we are all universally condemned according to it. In fact, he, he says something similar in, in Romans chapter 2. If you were to back up into verses 12 through 15 of Romans 2, he says, All who sin apart from the law also perish apart from the law. And all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences bearing witness, and their thoughts sometimes accusing them, and at other times even defending them. So Paul is going to hear, yes, the law is something that God specifically gave to his people, right? Moses goes up onto Mount Sinai, receives the Ten Commandments and, and the other further explanation of the law, and passes that on to God's people. But Paul's making an observation here. And he says, even those that didn't receive the law still have the law written on their hearts, right? That's what our, our conscience is. It's, 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 that it's God's law imprinted on our hearts and minds, that even those that have never picked up a Bible, that have never read God's word, still have a basic understanding of right and wrong, right? Still, even, not, even may, though it may not be perfect, right, there's still a basic understanding of right and wrong, good and bad. And so with that in mind, it says that, that whether you have received the law or whether or not, right, our, we are all equally guilty of sin and are held accountable to God, and ultimately, everyone is guilty according to the law, right? Romans 3, we'll get to, a passage, get to it here in a moment, but Romans 3.23 reminds us that, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Earlier in, in Romans 3, it says no one is righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands, no one who seeks God. Paul's making it explicitly clear that we are all in the same boat here. And there's one, thing, one more thing that's important for us to note here before we move on. So the law, right, no, none of us can live up to the standard of the law, right? None of us are able to earn our salvation by our good works because we will all fall short of that, right? We've established that point last week and picking up again here today. So then why do we have the law? Why did God give us the law if he knew because of our sinful nature that we would never live up to it? Well, he gave us the law, Paul says, so that we can become aware of our sin, right? It's only by knowing what God's good and righteous standard is that we can then understand just how far short we've fallen of it. Does that make sense? So if we didn't know what God's good and perfect do, then we wouldn't, have a, a, we wouldn't have something to compare ourselves to, and we would not understand our sin. It gives us a category to talk about sin, 
And we need to acknowledge our sin in order to understand his salvation. So moving on in Romans chapter 3, he talks about there's this righteousness that has now appeared apart from the law. So he's established that, that none of us are righteous according to God's standard, according to the law, that we have all fallen short of it. But then he says in verses 21 and 22 that there is a righteousness that is available to us, but it, is, it has been revealed, it, is, it has been made known to us, not through the law, but apart from it. In other words, people could not, the people that could not be found righteous according to the law can now be made righteous, on a, made righteous by God through another means. The law only hinted at and foreshadowed this righteousness. And Paul says this righteousness is made available to us through faith in Jesus Christ. It is given through faith in Jesus to all who believe. Notice he says it is, it is given, it is not earned. Right? This is the, the contrast between trying to earn our salvation by being obedient to the law and receiving the free gift of salvation that comes through Christ. It's a totally different category. Right? One, is, one is earned or attempted to be earned. The other is a free gift we receive. Paul, later in his letter to the Romans, in verse, chapter 6, verse 23, says, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. All right, what we've earned for ourselves is the punishment for sin. But what we receive by grace through faith, the free gift that God gives to each one of us, is salvation through Christ Jesus our Lord. And so it's important to pause for a moment and talk about faith and belief, right? It talks about believing in Jesus Christ. Think about the most famous verse in the Bible, right? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life, right? What does the Bible mean when it talks about belief or faith? Is it simply just knowing about something or is, it more, is there more to it? Right? There's more to it than just simple information, Belief and, and faith, according to Scripture, is, 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 is information that leads to trust. Right? There's an aspect of trust there that cannot be missed. It's more than just knowing about something, but it's, but it's trusting that what is, is true is, is true for me. Does that make sense? It's, it's, it's taking what is generally true, but applying it to ourselves. And so faith in Christ, believing in Him, trusting Him, accomplishes for us what our good works never could, right? Which is the salvation of our souls. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, Paul writes, it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And so, so far here in Romans 3, we have Paul reminding us that no one is righteous on their own accord. Right, that the law, we've all fallen short of the law, and the law is just meant to reveal our sin to us. But then Paul says that there's this other righteousness that's not, that doesn't come through the law, it comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. And so then for the rest of the passage, he explains what that salvation is and how it is accomplished. The salvation is all about who Jesus is and what he did for us. Right? We have a temptation to think that salvation is about what we do in order to please God. That even, even our, our, we may under, have an understanding that our, our righteous acts don't save us, but we still need to do things in order to make us more acceptable to God. But this passage clearly reminds us that it's not about who we are and what we've done. It's about who Jesus is and what he did for us. Remember, none of us deserve to be saved. Everyone is a sinner who has fallen short of God's glory. You may ask, what does it mean to fall short of God's glory? Well, well it means to fall short of God's righteous standard, his, his perfect character, his, his moral perfection, his righteousness, and his justice. All of the above, right? God is, is perfect and holy and righteous and just and loving in ways that we just cannot live up to because of our sinful nature. And because of our sinful nature, we always fall short in action and in attitudes. We're corrupted to our very core. 
And so just as all have sinned and fall short of God's glory, we see here the the beauty of the gospel. The good news is that all can be saved through Jesus Christ and his grace. Right? It says that we are justified freely by his grace. There's some words here that that are important for us to understand. What does it mean to be justified? It means to be made right with God. It's, got a, it's a term that almost has legal implications, right? Someone that is found guilty according to the law is justified when they're declared innocent. Right? Does that make sense? So, so it's, it's like a legal standing before God. We all have been found guilty according to our sinful nature. Because of our sin, we are guilty before God. But because of Christ, we are justified, which means that when God looks at us, he doesn't see guilt anymore. He sees innocence. He sees forgiveness. He sees grace and mercy through Christ. And grace is a free gift. It's unmerited and unconditional. It's not something we can earn. It's freely given to us through Christ. And it's that justification that leads to a relationship. We're saved from sin, but we're also saved into a relationship with Jesus. So it's important to remember, we're not just saved from something. We're saved into something as well. We're saved into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And this redemption, this, this salvation came through Jesus because God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement, or same, sometimes your translations may say a propitiation for our sins. Whatever translation you use, the idea there is that Jesus himself was offered up as a sacrifice in our place. Right, we talked last week about the, the result of sin, right? The consequence of sin is, is physical death and eternal separation from God, right? Physical death and spiritual death. And so someone had to pay the price for that sin. And it certainly couldn't be us because we could never pay it in full. But Jesus stepped in and took our place. He died so that we could live. The price of our sins was paid just not by us. It was paid for through Jesus' shed blood and death on the cross. His death was a substitutionary sacrifice, right? It was a substitute because we were the ones who deserved it. He took our place and paid the full price of our sins, right? And all think of the Old Testament sacrificial system that led up to this, right? The, the Old Testament describes these, these sacrifices that were needed to make atonement for sins, right? It was, it was the way that, that God's people... Uh, made good, right, for their, their, their sin. God prescribed these sacrifices so that they could be forgiven and, and continue to worship him in purity. But all of those Old Testament sacrifices, everything that was described as part of the temple worship was a, simply a foreshadow pointing to what Jesus did for us. It wasn't the, the blood of of goats or, or, or bull or, or lambs that, that saved God's people. It was the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. That is our salvation. It was in that sacrifice that God was reconciling the world to himself. I mentioned last week when God removed Adam and Eve from the garden, right? he placed a flaming sword to block God's judgment towards sin. That in order for for someone to, to enter into God's presence again, in order for them to regain what was lost in the garden, they needed to pass through God's judgment. That was the only way. But again, none of us could pay that price ourselves. We, pay, we, we owed an infinite debt that none of us could pay. And so Jesus passed through God's judgment for us. He faced the flaming sword of God's righteous wrath towards sin in order to bring us into relationship with God. Again, it's all about who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And so what part do we play, right? Where do we fit into this? And it says in Romans 3 that we receive God's grace, we experience God's grace through faith, right? It's not by righteous acts according to the law, it's by trusting in who Jesus is and what he's done for us. It's a gift that we receive, and, and a gift in and of itself is worthless until it is received, right? It does no good to receive a gift from someone and just leave it wrapped up in a box sitting on a shelf. You've not truly received that gift until you've taken it and opened it up for yourself 
In the same way, saving faith is the act of receiving the grace that God has given through Jesus Christ. We need to make it personal. I I mentioned this already, but I want to reiterate this point. Jesus didn't die for sin in general. Jesus died for, for my sin and your sin. Do you see the difference there? When we have saving faith in Christ, we take it from just general truth about who Jesus is, and we make it apply to our own lives. So Jesus died for my sin and your sin. He died for you and for me. And that's where repentance comes in. Faith and repentance go hand in hand. We believe in Jesus, and and it's through that trust and that belief that we turn from our sin and turn towards Christ. That repentance leads to to transformation, to new direction, uh, changing one's course in life. The very trajectory of your life is changed because of who Jesus is. And repentance is an ongoing commitment, not just a one-time decision. And in this, we see that, that God is both just and the one who justifies the sinner. In other words, God is both completely loving and completely just. He's not one or the other, not even mostly one and sometimes the other. He is fully loving and fully just at the same time. And we see those two things come together at the cross. He's completely just because he cannot tolerate sin and, and it must be punished. If he just ignores sin, then he, then he can't be completely just because sin demands justice. And at the same time, God is completely loving because he doesn't make us pay the price for our sins. He provides a way through Jesus Christ to pay the price on our behalf. He takes the full weight of our sin, the punishment that we deserve upon himself. And in doing so, we are completely forgiven. And so we must take a few moments here and reflect on what this means for us. We've, we've learned about what Jesus did for us, that he was the sacrifice of atonement for us, that he was the substitute that, that stepped in our place and took the punishment that we deserved. And by faith, we can receive that good gift of salvation, of grace through Jesus Christ. And so there's a few things that I want to close with. One is that we, you and I, must accept Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. Right, That's what this is all about. The very purpose of the gospel. God is, God is crying out to, for us poor sinners to come home. Don't wait. Don't put it off until another day. Seek God while he may be found. Right, the, the reality is that none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. And I don't say that to be morbid. I don't say that to, for, for fire and brimstone or anything like that. It's just reality. Right, None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. And so put your trust in the Lord today. Right? Respond to that free gift. Receive it for yourself. And I said at the beginning that, that this is good news for all of us, right? And, and this is a great opportunity. If you've been walking with the Lord, this is a great opportunity to, to recommit yourself, right? To be reminded of the good news of the gospel and be reminded that it's not just a one-time decision you make a long time ago, but it's a, it's a way of life. Salvation is the, this first step in a journey of walking with Christ through life. And so whether, whether you're someone who's never received that gift for yourself or someone that has but, but maybe needs to be reminded of God's goodness, accept Jesus today. Put your trust in him anew and experience his grace. There's often two types of people, right? Those who, who want to try to earn their way to God through their good behavior And at the same time, there's people that think that they have done too many bad things in order to be saved. But I stand here today to tell you that both of those people and everybody in between needs to experience his grace. None of us are good enough to earn his salvation. And even on our best days, we'll fall short of God's glory. And none of us are so bad so as to disqualify us from God's grace. Even on our worst days, God still loves us. That is good news. But we also need, we need to accept Jesus as our Savior and Lord, but we also need to allow the gospel to shape our lives. Right, this isn't about just saying a prayer once and moving on with life. It's a whole life commitment. It's daily taking up your cross and following Jesus. It's realizing that we are not perfect, so we set our sights on what is ahead, striving for what God has already made available to us through Christ. 
It's the beauty of seeing, it's seeing the beauty of the gospel, that Jesus Christ is the friend of sinners. This is realizing more and more each day just how amazing and glorious and majestic God is, how we don't deserve his love and faithfulness, but he gives it to us anyways. And it's about being more dependent on God's grace each day through prayer, through scripture, through fellowship with other believers. It's needing less of me and more of him. And allowing him to lead our lives according to his will, not our own. You see, we never outgrow the gospel. We need more of it. We need to dive into it more. And the deeper that we go, the more we will understand who God is and what he's done for us. And the more we'll want to know him, love him, and serve him. It never ends. And finally, this is, I promise, my last point. We need to tell the world about it. If this is true, right, if everything that I said today is true, that God has saved us through Christ, that God has made salvation available through Jesus Christ, through his death and his resurrection, and we can all experience that simply by receiving that good news, then we got to tell the world about it. Right? We have to share that with people. We have to share that with our loved ones, with our neighbors, with our communities, with our world, right? Because there are people that need to hear that for themselves, that have never heard the name of Jesus before. Or if they have, they've never heard that good news about him. And so they need to hear the good news of Jesus, and we need to be the ones to share it with them. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your salvation, which is something we could never earn for ourselves, but is but is completely and totally dependent on you and your good grace towards us. We thank you for this, Jesus. We thank you that you paid the price on our behalf. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. As we close our service today, I invite you, if you're able, to stand and sing about that salvation with us. We're singing number 210 in our hymnals, Jesus Paid It All. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages and forevermore. 
Amen. You may go in peace.